0: Today, we are more divided in America than we have ever been. But how did it get to this point? What really is causing this level of dysfunction and division in America today? And what hope is there for reunifying a nation divided? Like most issues, it's complicated. Let's talk about it. I'm
1: Michael and I'm David
0: and welcome back to the Facing the Gates podcast today we are doing the great segue episode this is what we do we're we're we've talked a lot about politics in the last I don't know eight episodes or whatever it's been it's been it's been a minute we've been talking about politics six I think it's six episodes well no it's been eight if you include the first two anyway we've been talking about a lot of things and we're not going to be doing the show forever, so it's time to transition into the the last episodes. But, you know, there are a few things we need to kind of wrap up with regard to the politics series and then kind of lead into our final episodes that we're going to be doing. Um, and one of those things is kind of addressing the the state of the union, if you will. The big elephant the, in the room. Yeah, the fact that we're actually really, really divided and addressing the the elephant in the room is like is there even a way forward and if so what is it and so these three nobodies on the internet who are like what 24 bunch of baby children have figured it out we're going to talk about it and 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 that's going to be what we're going to do so there's going to be two parts to this conversation and Part one is going to be addressing the division and culture uh, through ideology, which would be what divides us and why. And then part two is going to be discussing what we can do to reunify, as well as some practical tips for speaking with someone you disagree with. Now, again, this like first half of the episode is going to be probably really negative because we're going to be talking about the things that divide us, why we're divided. Obviously, those kinds of things are topical and divisive. But I highly recommend you stick around because at the end, we are going to talk about um, hopefully some practical tips for moving forward and some the, the the thing I really want people to take away is the tips that we have for speaking with someone you disagree with, because that's something that we have employed in this very podcast for 60 plus episodes now. And I think it's really important for people to take those into account When it comes to talking with people, whether they whether it's their political adversaries or someone, they have different religious opinions than, you know, having. Cohesive and and good conversations with people, I think, is really going to be the key to moving forward. Spoiler alert. But anyway, do you guys have anything you want to say before we get into it?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's ironic that we're even having to speak on this because it's something we've done since even before the podcast is how this all this shit came around right how it all started yeah because we have vastly different viewpoints on a lot of things but we managed to find a way to mesh together as a cohesive unit and communicate about them
0: yeah yeah so i'm excited about this episode this one's going to be a very big picture kind of episode so I'm going to go ahead and get into it. Um, Let's let's talk about the divisions in America. And I've divided that into roughly four or so sections, identity, ideology, culture and symbolism, which is, uh, you know, the things in the title. So I'm going to start with identity and I'm going to I'm going to state this thing. That's kind of a big thing. And you guys can tell me what you think. So I think we're kind of living in the midst of a national identity crisis right now. What does America stand for? Is it religion? Is it liberalism? Is it democracy? Is it LGBTQ activism? Is it consumerism? So we can't agree on what it means to be an American. This is so fundamental to our identity, it's no wonder we're so divided. So also as Americans, we believe that we should share our values with the rest of the world. But in recent years, we've undergone, we've undergone an identity crisis and we no longer agree on what those values even are. So what are we spreading and why? Are we spreading freedom and democracy to the world, or are we spelled spreading LGBTQ, LGBTQ activism, for example? We want to evangelize the world, but we don't know what we're evangelizing them to. What are you guys' thoughts?
1: Uh, I, I, I agree. We, as a country, don't know what the fuck we stand on, and I think it's been an issue for... Longer than even we've been alive. It's very right. much a postmodern issue because even going back to the 70s, the 50s, with the wars, conflicts, and political issues we've gotten into, we didn't, we kind of knew what we stood for, but we were still so divided. Half the country was standing on this, half the country was standing on that. And that does create tension and we don't know if we stand for big business. We don't know if we stand for the little guy. Freedom, democracy, puppet states. We don't know. And I, I think a big part of that is polarizing narrative in the media. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so I I would agree. We we don't know what we stand on, and we also got to the point
2: in history where
1: it's easier for us to just argue back and forth and imagine everything's okay than it is to find a solution and find common ground with whomever or whatever. No one wants to listen. They just want to talk.
0: Right. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, David?
1: I think uh, a lot of this stems from the very, possibly even the very founding of our nation. He's like, for example, uh, consumerism, capitalism. We've waxed and waned throughout the, I'd probably say, since re, at least Reconstruction with different companies coming up, getting big. Buy this, buy this. This is a new hot topic. This, and then it goes, oh, wait, we don't necessarily need this stuff. We need. And then, say, like, American-made versus just buying what's fashionable. And with the other stuff, I mean, there's always been some different areas. You take a country as big as this one, and you put a bunch of different people with different beliefs in it, they're going to, even if y'all say, oh, we believe in freedom, it's not, say... And all around, this is what freedom is. It's oh, this one side believes in this. This side believes in that. This other side is even more far away from the others.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing is that like we don't we don't have common definitions for words.
2: Yeah, and,
0: like words and, that should be you know fairly simple to define. Uh, there's a very different definition of these words on the left and right.
1: Yeah, and it, well, it's. Exactly, it's like interpretation of law. Our laws are written to be interpreted, not to be kind of dictated, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I would even say within uh, similar circles, politically, just like even within certain circles, religiously, they even can't agree on, like, one of the biggest things is freedom of speech. What is it? What does it protect? Everyone will go on and on about it means this. It means that it means this just Mm -hmm. like with a freedom of religion or the right to bear arms. We can't agree on what that means even within similar circles. Does it mean I should be able to go in the Walmart and buy a machine gun? Does it mean I should have to pass a background check to buy any weapon? No one knows. And so that leads us not to know what we stand for besides blanket terms, which mean nothing.
0: yeah, I think this actually at this point kind of segues into the next point, which is ideological narrative so i'm gonna go I'm gonna talk about that a little bit um and you're gonna have to forgive the oversimplifications here, but for the sake of threading together ideas, hear me out. So on one hand, you have this idea that America is a terrible place, that it's intrinsically racist, sexist, bigoted, etc. It believes that the systems of hierarchy are corrupt and should be torn down. This ideology is comparable to chaos. On the other hand, you have the idea that America is great, but not without its faults. It believes that these systems preserve hierarchy, which is good because hierarchy ought to be preserved. This ideology is comparable to order now both take on religious significance we're all searching for meaning and for many politics has replaced religion partly due to the failures of american religion in the past um there's there's one other thing one or two other things i'd like to add about this but i want to get your thoughts on that i know it's a very yeah. oversimplified um, version of political narrative but that's one thing that i think i've yeah kind of threaded together yeah. and, and with- on one hand you have Go ahead, On one Dana.
1: hand, you have the uh. Oh, you go ahead, David. All right, and especially with that first statement, or even both, both sides. You can talk to someone that's extremely right wing and believes in the first statement, or left wing and believes in the second statement. It's not necessarily straight down the middle. One side believes the other. It's that... Yeah,
0: I'm talking about like the overarching narrative. Oh yeah. Be- that we get like from the media and from ideologues in society
1: yeah and i just want to note that since yeah it's yeah. political it's we've talked to tons of people that believe parts of the other and i think part of it could be uh for some over adjusting to avoid nationalism but and then others are thinking it's a like patriotic because there are people that think this is the greatest country in the world. But some of it, some of them take it to a religious fetishized section.
2: Mm-hmm. All
0: right. What yeah. do you think, Michael?
1: I mean, it's just like any philosophical thing. On one hand, you have your optimists everything's great, nothing is wrong, don't fuck with it. Then you have your pessimists, which is it's all fucking terrible. We need to start over. When in reality, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. It's not all bad. We, America has a lot of good things about it. But to be patriotic, you have to also accept the faults and look for a better future. Because you can either blind yourself with optimism or pessimism and forget the good or the bad that is there. Mm-hmm. But that's hard to do. It's hard to criticize something you love, and it's hard to love something you hate. yeah, and also, I think a large part of it is because uh our generation say has grown up with all this technology, but we've also seen two economic depressions, one of the greatest market collapses since the great Depression we've also seen the biggest pandemic and so fucking long and we've seen so much arguing and corruption in our short time span on and that goes for no matter which party is in control of the house or the white house or whatever. And so that bends our perspective because we didn't live in the prosperous parts of the 80s or 90s. We didn't live in the 60s, 70s. And so the the uh
2: older people who have
1: lived in quote unquote the good old days don't get where we're coming from because we're coming up in a world that is vastly different. And right. instead of finding that middle ground and going, hey Right now, it might not be the greatest, but we're going to make it through it. Or going, hey, the era you lived in was pretty cool. Everyone was, you know, in general, doing better money-wise and commerce-wise. Let's get back there. We all just want to Uh, virtue signal and complain about shit. And that goes on either side of the spectrum.
0: Yeah, I think just in general um one of the one of the kind of points I want to make here is that this the, the ideological narrative is very much related to the identity crisis that we're having because the ideological narrative undergirds our society and informs obviously the politics and the policies of the day and it's because of these ideological narratives
2: th-
0: by and large, like that's really one of the biggest sources of our division. And I'm not saying that the narratives themselves are right or wrong. I'm just saying that they're so opposed to one another that it's designed to divide us.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I and, mean, it doesn't help when on uh, a partially political, but also say like economically. We have big businesses saying, "Oh yeah, we donated three hundred thousand, but we make a Super Bowl ad for six million or however much that happened this year." Yeah, and I again, I think it also ties into the vast generational gaps in the way we go about daily life, because there was a point where there was not a TV in every home. There was a point where there was not internet in every home. And now media is just at your fingertips everywhere you go. Knowledge is also there, but it's harder to find. And instead of bridging these generational gaps, we just use those to divide further and further and further as a nation because that's another separation on top of the ideological separation. We always want to think what we had was better instead of, Asking about other things and that goes both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. And I mean, but, with say like politics, think of how the average age of our politicians and how long they've been say been in politics, they've lost a touch.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of something that we can definitely all agree on is that most of the people in office are too old and out of touch in general. Yeah.
1: yeah. Because there's a lot of uh There's a decent amount of conservative people who, if they ran for office, I'd have to consider voting for them because some parts of their platform are conservative, but there's a lot of promise there because they're not 150 fucking years old running for office. Just like. Yeah, there's a lot of
0: uh, people retiring from the Senate this year.
1: Thank God like a but lot of bad Democrats especially. More old people are just going to fill in because it's such a life game. But, and I, we would connect more with a 30, 40 something year old, and even that's a big bridge to gap. Yeah. And, yeah, so, I think we can all agree we need to stop letting corpses run for fucking office, <laughs> no matter the party.
2: Yeah. Because
1: I genuinely feel if some more young open minds were to get were to get in office on either side of the parties we could make more progress as a nation instead of just doing the the walk around the room as we've been doing for years
0: all right, so I want to kind of move this along a little bit. There's one thing I want to talk about which is the etymology of cult or culture. And I'm going to make a little bit of a Jonathan Jonathan argument, maybe if I will. Um if you guys don't know who that is, look him up. He's a orthodox icon carver and he's very anti-postmodern. He has, has some very interesting philosophical views that takes a little while to kind of wrap your head around, but I've started I've begun to understand him a little bit more, and it's definitely made an influence on my thinking. So, we can all probably agree that politics is downstream from culture. The root word of culture is cult. Cult is a form of worship. That is why I say that politics, at its root, is fundamentally religious. This gets into some deeper philosophical thought, but the basic idea is this no one is religiously neutral you are participating in something and what you choose to participate in becomes your religion so if you are you're a social justice warrior for example you're participating in this subgroup and culture and that is your religion if you're communing at church and partaking of the eucharist you're participating in christ and that is your religion so on and so forth there is no religiously neutral people While you may be participating, while what you may be participating in may not be an officially canonized religion in the sense that we think of the term today, you are still participating in something and acting in a religious manner. That much is unavoidable. And I'll probably come back to this a little bit later in the episode.
1: Yeah. I think the best correlation, the, like, for your arguments, like, take a look at how in America our presidential elections are done because I mean, how many people are like he's the one to save us? She's the one. Yeah, to people
0: people have a messiah complex about it.
1: Yeah, and so for a good part, you're he's pretty much spot on with because one thing, say religion, well, religion culture gives us is a sense of belonging. Right. But like say you're a golf kid and you're hanging out with the goths, going to the club the well, you know, I gotta speak the bro. clubs?
0: Uh, golf kids go to the clubs? What you about yes, to say They
1: that? they have alternative <laughs> golf nights. And emo stuff. night. They go to emo night. No, emo night's a corporate chill. Okay. <laughs> but that that's a whole different R-U-T-K. topic. But yeah. And it's that sense of kind of felt kind of camaraderie and stuff that, say, religion really gives because with religion, you jump into a accepting culture, for example. So for for a lot of it, he's pretty right. Yeah, and I mean, you can look on any side of the political spectrum, and we've talked about this so many times, where they'll treat politics as a religion. The amount of people who had Donald Trump as baby Jesus on their Facebook page is disgusting, and yeah. the amount of people who thought Hillary Clinton was going to save the world is disgusting. They're just humans, but uh, yeah. yeah, I I would not agree even that with good of humans to be honest. Yeah, they're they're politicians. And business people, like three the most the worst, worst people. Three you can politicians have. that I would say are decent people and actually stand for what they say they do, and they don't make it far. They don't make it far. That's the problem. But yeah, I would I would very much agree with that philosophical statement of culture is an inherently religious thing, whether you see it or not. You're actively participating in some people end up worshiping that more than they would their God or their religion or their atheism.
0: Right. Cool. And so Yeah. I think, well, I think that's got pretty one, spot on. I've got one more uh, statement here on this and you know, you're not going to like it, but I'm just going to say it. So I, I like to be neutral <clears throat> as neutral as possible when talking about these kinds of things. But if I'm honest, Some things aren't always a both sides kind of issue. I think that many of the things that divide us in America come from a radical minority on the left. According to them, we're an awful country and we need to change who we are from the inside out. In order to do that, we must conform to the dogma of this elite minority. They say we're racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, bigoted, and whatever other derogatory smear label you want to add in there. The values of the left include abortion, LGBTQ activism, transgenderism, uh, racial equality, etc. Not only do these things divide Americans, they also make us look weak to our enemies. You know who eats this stuff up? China, Russia, North Korea, Al-Qaeda. They want us to be divided because that makes their jobs much easier.
1: Well, to... Hot take, but... To add to yeah. the opposing side, what about the radical people that try to, say, ban art, ban video games, because it goes against their beliefs? Overthrow the government.
0: Yeah, I like, don't think they have as much cultural power. The 80, currently, they don't. Currently.
1: 80s and 90s, satanic panic, for example. Hilarious. Oh, I, I, don't,
0: yeah. I don't know about it, that. I wasn't born... It, It it weans and waves to the extremes
1: of both sides Uh, throughout history. For example, like if you listen to a Black Sabbath song in reverse, you'll hear the voice of a Satan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or like, I mean, Doom. Where I know
0: know what you're talking about. I just wasn't alive to experience it.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, it was a, it's still being talked about today. It was probably just as much of a cultural phenomenon, especially back then when we weren't bombarded with stuff so often
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it and we laugh at our country suing it but we've had people try uh here and it's just as kind of like stupid i guess you could say so both sides have tried to uh suppress opposition yeah i think that's the issue with uh two-party system and you can look historically the extremes that are pushing the media wean and wane with time just like it seems every four to eight years the other party's in office public opinion switches and changes just like we wear underwear (laughs) just like uh 2016 the cancel culture related to like me too was at an all-time high But now, you can look, especially in things like professional sports, media, it's not affecting people that are already rich like it was. Like, currently, there is a a certain NFL quarterback who has 25 civil cases for sexual assault against him who just got a record-breaking $230 guaranteed deal in his first year for $1 million only because he may get suspended for a year, and that's his base salary for that year. So it weans and wanes with the people because cancel culture is one of those things that weans and wanes with public opinion and who's in office. It was strong during 2016 because of who was running for office. I guess you could say stuff like the temperance movement was technically cancel culture. Now, was a lot of what they were saying possible, especially with temperance, right? Yes, there was a lot of people getting drunk and beating their wives back then. But any positive gets wrapped in with all the kind of people pushing it for different agendas and stuff that may be right or wrong. It just varies on what, a, what the agenda is. Yeah. And also media has gotten even more polarized where if you think a certain way, you're going to be surrounded by people who think a certain way and they'll get outraged by the opposition, which creates a, a false sense of who's it's really, yeah yeah who's really in control and then and news and social media will take will pick up on fringe groups way more than say they used to so instead of like general public opinions oh this one small minority's extremist opinion on either side yeah i think
0: i think if you just zero in to our current situation for example um When we recorded the CRT episode, Michael, and you said you were doing your homework on this, you said it was really kind of hard to get an objective, uh, you know, objective information because a lot of the information you were looking up was people who were against CRT. If you look at the polling, a lot of people are and same thing with the radical transgender movement, Um, the radical forms of it. let Let me just make this and I'll let you talk. But essentially, these things are extremely unpopular right now. And these are the ideologies that are dominant on the left, and it's backfiring, and it will continue to backfire. But these are the kinds of things that people don't like, and it makes us look weak. And that's really, that's the point I'm just trying to make here.
1: See, what I meant by that is, it's hard to find a neutral, just someone who's just reading through it without having to read through the whole books because on one hand you have super pro and you have super against there's no legalistic look at it no there's no studying ban. of just yeah. the theory okay and that's well, that's
0: why i try to just kind of take the points just in yeah. retrospect that's why i try to take the points and be like this is what it is and then this is my opinion and kind of separate those yeah
1: things. it's like yeah. the uh, link i sent you about the uh puberty blockers that was the only one that didn't have a political opinion. And uh, it was just like, oh, here's... It
0: did, though. Well, it, it-, it kind of assumed the conclusion of transgenderism in, in the article.
1: But it at least it so listed... it had a little bit more of a left-leaning the- bias. But medically, it's still listed pros and cons. I mean, it's in our health system, but, you know, it's the yeah, one yeah, that's the but- most neutral out of what I could find. Yeah, and that's like if you go to the cesspools that are are conservative on Reddit or are oh, liberal no. on Reddit. Just stay off Reddit. both well. <laughs> you can find a lot of good circles and good conversation,
0: but I've never heard anything good about Reddit, like ever.
1: You gotta, just- <laughs> you gotta, you gotta find your circles. You gotta find okay. because okay. I. Going to our conservative you would think the world is ending. Going to our liberal you would think the world is ending. And, and if you go to R-slash-Libertary. The are coming to get you, and it's, in reality, they're both wrong. Yeah. And don't even get me started on our conspiracy theories, because th- some of those people really believe that shit. But it, that's why I'm saying it's hard, harder to find a truly neutral on any, anything because it's due to algorithms and knowing what you're going to click on to make money mm-hmm. and knowing what will get the clicks. People will say things they don't even stand behind. Yeah. Like, uh, Donald Trump's whole <laughs> original political agenda was totally different than what he stood on just a few years before. You know Why? Cause he knew that's how he could get into office and the motherfucker was successful at it. Yeah. He used the algorithms ag- that were supposed to be against him. He used the opposition to get into office. That's the biggest upset in political history, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. And because I mean, he was
1: the first one to really go, Hmm, this, this Twitter thing, Hmm, this, Internet, think. (laughs) I wonder what outrageous shit I can say to get clicks, to get people interested, to get people on board. That's what he did. And I I think ever since the internet got mainstream, it's just been downhill trying to find uh, legalistic or non political viewpoints on anything. Well, I guess you could say since it's been commercialized. Since, yeah, that's uh, like, I guess eh. you, you could say even Web 2.0. But when yeah, because, social media started growing and advertisement and all that, instead of just small forums, even beforehand, BBSs. Few people might know yeah, that. Would, Shout out. Because I'm, I'm pro-gun, even though I generally lean left. The only... Statistics I could find are either from anti-gun or, quote-unquote, pro-gun, the NRA. There's no guy in the middle going, okay, this is all the information I found. I don't care either way. I'm just stating the facts.
0: All right. Well... I don't want to ramble on this point too long. Do we, yeah, do we have we, anything we have to else? That we want? Yeah. So. Do we have any, any other final conclusions wrapping up on the ideology ideological narrative part before we move on to cancel culture?
1: Ah, that'll be a fun one to get into.
0: All right, cool. Well, we're moving on to cancel culture. So cancel culture is 1000%. 1, one of those things that divides us. Um, it's called cancel culture by people on the right. It's called accountability culture by people on the left. So I have a couple things to say on this, and there's really not much I have to say, but I'm just going to go ahead and make my points and we can, we can discuss them. Um, It is number one, it is good to hold others accountable. Um, Number two, it is not good to dox and defame people into oblivion. And number three, it is not good to not have grace. So on this point, I've made the observation that this is yet another inversion of Christian belief that the left has taken a hold of In Christianity grace is offered so that people can change who they are In leftism. There is no grace. If you screw up, you're damned. And that's all I have I'm, about the cancel culture.
1: And I mean, again, this is something that in my opinion has weaned and waned from one side to the other, because I do agree. If someone fucks up, they should be held accountable. And if they do the work, To change and fix that. One example. I'm a big football guy. I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. I've been a fan since I was yay big. Michael Vick. I'm also a big animal lover. He was arrested for fighting dogs. Everyone knows it. And so. He was rightfully scrutinized. And removed from the league. While he he went through trial. And went to jail. He did his time, and since he's been out, he's been a big animal rights person trying to stop dogfighting. He learned from his mistakes, and the Atlanta Falcons fans have taken him back in gracefully. And He did the final ride with Roddy White, who was a player he played with, and the fans have looked back at his time and appreciate him as a man now because he changed, because he did make that change. Right. And
0: there's just a large cultural force that doesn't care and doesn't want you to change and doesn't want to accept your forgiveness if you do change. Yeah. And that's extremely toxic.
1: Yeah. And now granted, there's some things you can't come back from, in my opinion. But that's safe for like the Harvey Weinsteins of the world where someone says something offensive. Yeah. Call them out on it. Talk about it, let them learn from it. Uh, I think one one example of that is a uh, the baby's uh, rant that he went on a couple months ago, and everyone was just like, "Cancel, cancel, cancel." Whereas the people, the guy he was kind of talking about was like, "Bro, I'm upset, but like, I hope you learn from this. Mm-hmm. I hope." and then after you know he, that guy made that statement everybody else is coming out of the woodwork like hey let's talk about it it's like no don't do it cuz it's fucking trendy show some understanding that people fuck up and in the moment can say some fucked up things
2: yeah but one, also think, it's sorry go ahead
1: it's ironic when one side will cancel someone because of this but when someone on their team does the exact same thing they won't hold them accountable either. And I'm seeing that on any side. I mean, the quarterback who just struck a record-breaking deal. People, he was supposed to get traded to my team, and we were extremely divided on that because he's still going through civil court for sexually assaulting women. Like 25 different women
0: i think one uh example that comes to mind that we can maybe possibly zero in on and get some thoughts which i'm not super informed on the situation so maybe my thoughts don't really matter but um are you familiar with the tim lambesis situation uh no okay so tim lambesis was the vocalist of a band called as i lay dying
1: oh Oh, the dude that one who had the hitman
0: Yes, yeah, so basically he hired a hitman to kill his wife. He went to prison because of it, and then he came out of prison and apologized and rejoined the band, and this has been a source of huge controversy for a lot of people because there are some people who are like, you know, if you tried to kill your wife, I cannot forgive you. And there's other people that are like, well, he's really, really changed and I can tell by the way that he's living his life that he's honestly changed and that he's honestly sorry. And so that's kind of a subject of debate. Like, do you forgive him? Do you uncancel him? Obviously, people have different opinions on it. I'm not really the biggest uh, As I Lay Dying fan, so I don't really have an opinion either way, but it was an interesting thing to observe as a third party. I mean, seeing them
1: like doing good, it's... Interesting for me because just like you, I'm not a big fan. On one hand, he was trying to break what a lot of people consider the most trustworthy thing you can do physically with someone trying to break that bond in a selfish manner. But on the other hand, if he's changed, then good. And kind of like in situations like that, rice, then without like, even if I was a fan, wouldn't necessarily support you. But I hope you get better. Hope you mm-hmm. have genuinely changed and can live your life. But if you haven't, and this happens again, you're going to break all that trust you've spent years rebuilding.
0: Right. So it's yeah, like I think,
1: and- stay away. Uh, for me, it's like since I don't know exactly. I don't know the dude. Even if I'm a fan, I have a parasocial relationship. It's like, right. I'm going to just keep my distance and be cheering. Hopefully you're doing, you're actually doing the work and fixing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And a similar, a kind of similar situation that then it ends so well, well it was back in, I want to say 2018 when the rapper XXXTentacion was shot, the charges against him were grisly. They were domestic abuse and really bad. Mm-hmm. What saddened me about that is instead of leaving room for a man who was eighteen was seventeen or sixteen when he committed these crimes or even eighteen is there was never justice for the victim because he was killed. There was never a chance to be forgiven because he was killed. His last thing that he was left on was... He's a domestic abuser, when in reality, that can be true, but people forget uh, Malcolm X was forgiven of doing similar things. A lot of people get into trouble, make mistakes, and people forget about it, but when it's in the public eye, the media, it's easy to demonize them and just get rid of them instead of going, he's a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think all three of us will say we are vastly different people than we were at 22, than we were at 18. Yeah, Just that short time span. And he got killed. There's n- no way for him to change now. He's six feet in the ground and that's it. And yeah, so it's, think... it's hypocritical for people to preach love and acceptance of everyone yeah. and not being able to... Practice it's, that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, I think of like, um, for example, St. Paul in the New Testament. I mean, he literally killed Christians and he changed and became one of, you know, the authors of the New Testament. Um, and I, I think of, um, also that pa- passage he wrote in First Corinthians where he was like, you know, neither this or this or this or this will enter the kingdom of heaven, but such were the likes of you. You used to be like this. But you changed and so this is kind of like the christian ideal is to be able to forgive people no matter what they've done because there's lots of awful people in the world but if they're capable of changing they've done that and oriented themselves in a right and positive direction that's a good thing and that should be celebrated but the thing with cancel culture is like there is no grace there is no forgiveness and it wants to suppress people if they do something bad they're canceled, they're gone, they're doxed, they're defamed, and that's that's that. Yeah. And, and I think that's extremely toxic. On
1: the other side, uh, going to go back to XXXTentacion, they're the kind of play devil's advocate. There were people that also just saw him like as an angel. Like, oh, because his music mm-hmm. is good. Oh, he he's one of the best people. He did these good things and so like yeah he did good things he did bad things he just never got a chance of redemption yeah and the same people who would demonize someone else would also support and be a fan of like Kobe Bryant or uh Ben Roethlisberger who's the former quarterback of the Steelers it's like you got to be consistent uh Chris Brown You, you can't Chris Brown, because you can't forgive he one still has and allegations hate all the others. Yeah. But people but, love uh, him because he makes catchy music. And I, I think that that whole canceling someone is a deeper than just in like the media. You look at uh, people who come back from like any length of prison term. It's so hard once they get that stigma on their name of felon or prisoner it's mm-hmm. hard for them to be forgiven and be brought back into the community which just makes them either have to or want to do what they formerly did to get them in jail whether that's sell drugs rob people kill people you name it i i think it's a big uh cultural issue In the core, because on one side, you'll have people with savior complexes who think they can save everybody. And then on the other, you have people who demonize everybody.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Whereas
1: we should treat them like we would want to be treated like our mothers treated us like. I mean, Jesus forgave those who fucking murdered him. Yeah. read the fucking Bible because a lot of christians in our area would look down upon someone who went to jail and got out and would pick them apart for that.
2: Yeah.
0: So all right, let's yeah. let's uh let's wrap up our thoughts on this because we probably need to move oh, on.
1: Uh well, one more thing. I even though it stems deeper, I think that social media has made it worse but also the impacts of it is
0: primary culprit of it.
1: Yeah. But the, say the impacts and implications of it aren't even as severe. So like this person does something bad. Okay. But then you'll see, Oh, they're doing this and this and this. And it's like, what about all the stuff they were called out? I think that's how it's been heading since uh, it's been kind of cancel culture is a, quote-unquote, thing now. People, instead of being like, oh, here's some terrible thing, this person needs to be held accountable. So, like, oh, people forget about it as well. Or it's like, oh, you know, we we roasted them on Twitter. That's good enough.
2: So it's kind of a
1: double-edged sword in that case. It's our... Look at the Kanye West uh, example currently happening. He's being a fucking... Terrible partner and is obviously mentally ill, but yet people are still lifting him up and going, Oh, but his music bangs. I don't give a fuck if his music bangs. Terrible people make great art, doesn't mean you should fucking let them keep being terrible. (laughs) But you know, what do we know? We're just three dudes and a bunch of microphones.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, we've talked about cancel culture, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the last section of the things that divide us, and that is symbolism. So we all have symbols that are unavoidable, even for iconoclastic Protestants. Now for those at home who don't know this, uh, the, the lingo, iconoclasm is basically people who are against icons. Many Protestants have removed religious iconography in their places of worship out of an abundance of caution to not break the second commandment, which is to not make any graven images. This was Zwingli's deal in the Reformation, and I would also add Calvin's. So that's why there are so many ugly white-walled churches out there today. Now I'm not getting into the iconoclasm debate I'm because I'm becoming orthodox, so that tells you what already where I stand on the issue. But suffice it to say that Protestants do still have icons, even though they seek to remove them. They just have different icons. Maybe it's the cross, or stained glass, or as a deacon put it, uh, as a deacon at my church put it, the jumbotrons. Um, this is not this is not just a protestant phenomenon this is this is universal in soviet russia during the bolshevik revolution orthodox icons were stripped down and secular icons of lenin were erected in their place in the united states we have erected statues of our founding fathers for the values they believed in they are a symbol of our heritage and what we by proxy also believe in as many people on the left destroy these statues they choose to make war with history and attempt to rewrite it that's why they put up Statues of George Floyd in their place. Even the left can't escape symbolism. They replace one symbol for another. The American flag is another great example of a symbol. Flags have meanings. For many, the American flag stands for freedom. However, there are some that believe the flag stands for oppression, racism, sexism, traditional sexual mores, etc., and so choose to burn it. They're not burning just some random object, they're attacking what they perceive that object to be a symbol of. To some people, the LGBTQ flag becomes what the American flag once was for everyone. One fairly recent example that comes to mind is a U.S. embassy that chose to fly a pride flag in Jamaica. They didn't take it too kindly because Jamaicans understand symbols better than we do. They called it cultural imperialism. A more recent example is a video going around of people pledging allegiance to the pride flag, led by Pete Buttigieg's husband who's the secretary, the Pete Buttigieg is the secretary of transportation. His husband was the one leading this. And literally in that in that pledge, they substituted God for pride. I'm not sure it can get much more tone deaf than that. And the last example that I would give is masks that have become a symbol of sorts today. It signals virtue. Now, I'm not getting into mass debate or anything revolving around covid, but I'll just say for many Masking is more about political theater, as one of the hosts from the All In podcast put it: "They're MAGA hats for Team Blue." So I've just listed a lot of things, but I want to get your thoughts on that. these, first, uh, first, these symbols are universal. First off, and, pledging uh, allegiance anyway, to any
1: flag is stupid, because it, as kind of you said, it, your it, that's your religion at this point. If you're you're basically saying a prayer.
2: Without saying a prayer.
1: Yeah, I, I, I do agree. Uh, it's weird as fuck that we pledge of allegiance to the flag every day we wake up and go to school. It, it's one thing to understand what the symbol means, but just blindly leading, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. We get it. But
2: I also got brain fart, brain fart.
1: It's funny that people who were so against symbols constantly lambast their own symbols, whether it's car stickers, flags, whatever. You're symbolizing something and trying to make a statement with it. Because, yes, I have burned a flag or two in my day. Not the way you're thinking. Hold up. Let me explain. (laughs) There's a proper way to dispose of a tattered flag. Because, you know, they're material. They're going to get beat up. And one of the proper ways in the old days was to fold it up in an honorable uh, triangle. You know, like veterans get in the... When they're buried, or mm-hmm. police officers, whatever, and you respectfully turn it to ash so it doesn't end up in a landfill being disregarded. And it's also funny, pro-America people would want to wear the American flag on everything as a symbol, because that goes against codes i were written back in the day, but that's a whole another thing to get into.
0: Yeah, I guess just to kind of summarize everything, you know, I obviously I gave specific examples, but symbols are unavoidable. People who are against symbols erect other symbols in their place, whether that's Protestants or Russian. Communists or gang members, leftists or, or what whoever, whoever's against these symbols, you know, they're not real they can't avoid symbols because they erect other symbols in their place. And and the question is what symbols do we stand for and which ones are we going to stand behind.
1: Yeah everything we do, everything we interact with has some sort of meaning, even if it's just for yourself. Therefore, that's whatever that thing is symbolizes at least the one person. If not greater. Yeah the same same goes for even Personal effects like your haircut, tattoos, the shirt you wear. Symbols are unavoidable and culturally relevant and historically relevant. Because me personally, I do think a lot of the statues should have been removed from where they were. But they should have been preserved, not necessarily destroyed. But yeah, you can't escape symbolism. I mean, every church I've went to has a cross. Somewhere. hmm I mean, we're in the South. There are a fucking dime a dozen here. Yeah. And every every <clears> place <throat> in South Carolina has a SC flag, an American flag, and then some have a city flag. You can't yeah. just get rid of symbolism. It's mm-hmm. human nature. It's, yeah, yeah. Even, say, what, like, church the is... Thing that de-
0: the just the thing that kind of like divides us is like what are our symbols and that's one of those just to kind of be the thorough line on on the things on what divide us because the, I need to obviously tie it back to what this episode is about like we don't agree on what our symbols are
1: yeah and yeah. people and we also op- judge a
0: book by the cover
1: yeah people co-opt symbols without understanding the intrinsic meaning and value of it take the libertarian flag there's a lot of people that don't understand the core fundamentals of libertarianism, but fly that yellow Gat. I think Gadsden flag with the don't trap me that bullshit. A lot of conservatives that don't necessarily agree with a lot of libertarian values and ideas fly that flag. A lot of people that claim they're liberal because they just worry about the free market fly that flag. But there are other more kind of intrinsic values within, say, libertarianism or, heck, even, say, the sickle and cross for communism. It's a lot more nuanced and detailed than people take. Yeah, and we are so quick to judge a book by a cover by what symbols they have. Like, the cross I wear has been co-opted in counterculture for decades. It has nothing to do with Satanism. It has nothing to do with counterculture or atheism. It is a Christian symbol.
0: Right. Yeah. And that alone. That's a good example of a symbol that's been. Co-opted. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that alone creates controversy and uh, creates me to get judged on a facing perspective by someone who doesn't know or isn't willing to ask the question, what does this mean? We're so quick to judge a book by a cover and we're so quick to go, oh, he's covered in tattoos. He must be this or that or he's wearing that flip cross with them stretched ears and all the <laughs> shit in his face. He's piercing his <laughs> left ear. You know what that means? He's, he's got to... You gotta, gotta the be gay this ear way. Pierce. Yeah, I mean, and Her. that's all. to saying hybrid. Try to put <laughs> excessive symbolism in the so- in the weird things, like yeah. the yeah. left ear piercing. It don't mean shit. It might have meant something maybe fifty years ago, but it don't mean shit. It should have yeah, so... really never meant shit.
0: I guess to kind of tie it back to what I was talking about earlier with like the etymology of culture, um, essentially symbols are a means of participation. What symbols do we align ourselves with? What symbols do we believe are good and worth preserving? What are you participating in? Are you participating in redemption or are you participating in destruction?
1: And what do they mean at the end of the day? Right. Cause I, I think that's missed on a lot of people. Yeah, Just like religion in general. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, on,
0: on the nose there. Do we have anything else on uh, symbolism before we move into my interlude? Uh,
2: I think we don't might have culturally
1: appropriate other people's symbols. <laughs> that goes okay. for every side. <laughs> know what they mean and don't judge books by the cover. Fuck, and I don't essentially know. Essentially do your Next research. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right, well, I want to do a little brief interlude, and during this, I would like to kind of push the the argument I made earlier about, like, all politics being fundamentally religious, and and to demonstrate this, I'd like to thread together a few examples of ideas that I've brought up in previous episodes, so consider this the greatest moments of the politics series, I guess, maybe. Um... So, oftentimes we believe the problem is external or national. This is the inversion of original sin that I brought up in the last episode. We always want to fix them, but we never want to fix us. This is one of the central teachings of Christianity, to worry about your own sins and to focus on your own repentance before trying to go around and change others. Now most Christians don't do this, and I believe that's partly why we're experiencing dysfunction and the rejection of traditional religious belief in America. But the secular answer is to invert this teaching and to say that the problem isn't with us, it's them. Another point I'd like to make is that much of our society acts in a very Gnostic way. What I mean by this is that on one hand, you have Christians that think they just need to escape Earth and go to Heaven. They are participating in a Gnostic worldview, an ancient heresy, And pagan philosophy that saint paul addressed in his letter to the colossians for example gnosticism as you'll recall is the idea that spirit is good flesh is bad on the other hand we see this with the radical transgender ideologues as well they believe that what they feel inside is much more important than what they are in reality we see that traditional sexual mores are being flipped on their head constantly and this and comes entirely from a secular leftist worldview. The fruit of this is the promulgation of sexual promiscuity, and by proxy, STDs, the breakdown of the family unit, the, the death of the unborn at startling, startlingly high numbers, and genuine confusion among young people seeking a label after label to identify themselves with. All of these do unspeakable damage and have, ripple, have a ripple effect so large that we don't even know where the ripple ends. It is a fundamentally Christian belief, and nearly all other world religions agree, that we ought to deny our basest desires. The opposing secular narrative is to give in to them, because that's who you really are, which, yet again, is a complete inversion. Grace is eradicated in public discourse when discussing politics with those who oppose your beliefs. Look no further than cancel culture and Twitter to see this in action. There is no grace if you oppose the narcissist. Forgiveness is a Christian virtue and in the absence of Christianity there are no Christian virtues. Now I could go on and on about how society dejects traditional Christian values while hypocritically holding on to the fundamental religious presuppositions that made this society possible in the first place. But suffice it to say that there are many ideas concocted in our culture that aren't original. They are perversion and inversion of a historically religious viewpoint. But the crux is this: much like our symbols are unavoidable, so is religion. As John Adams once said, quote, Our Constitution was made for a, only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other, end quote. America can't just kick out Christianity without adopting something else in its place. And whatever that thing is will be accepted on a fundamentally religious basis. And I will conclude my monologue now.
1: Yeah, uh, one thing that's interesting to me is what you said about Gnosticism in in especially modern Christianity. Mm -hmm. It seems very isolated, very, I'm just here for the ride to get the fuck out of here. I think a lot of people uh, who say have issues with the government or how things are done, whatever, take that route for political means. So, fucking, I'm just here, I'm not gonna fucking bother myself too much with it. I'm gonna disagree, but I'm not gonna do shit about it. Politics bad, me good, me will live longer than politics. And, it's, if you kind of see where I'm coming with that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, i I think um
0: that's why I'm an advocate for people learning church history because there's a lot of modern christian air quotes around christian movements um that are really just the reviving of ancient heresies and yeah. a lot of if people don't know what those heresies are, they don't know how to avoid them, and if they don't know what the church fought in the history in in previous generations then they're not going to know when they're stumbling into into outright heresy. Yeah,
1: and it it kind of brings back kind of the bane of human nature it, to a point because we keep having to go through these things. Got to focus on humility, insight and actually making progress to have a better situation whether that's insight into Where you're going wrong religiously, physically, politically. And doing the steps to make the world a better place and less shitty. Yeah. And I see that as a big issue. And especially on the inside part, it's easier to blame someone else than to fix yourself. That's why earlier I said everyone wants to yell blame, but they don't want to look in the mirror so yeah those are very poignant points on why we're so divided because in essence we are very uh, socially we want a social circle but we also tend to isolate in that circle and create the belief of we're better than them instead of we're all humans on this rock going breakneck speeds around the sun and We're just trying to figure this shit out. You know? Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's, I just wanted to hit on that point because I think it's very interesting because it is something man has been having to fight against for ever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And vote in your local elections, they mean more. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a part of it. That's a part of it. People want to hop on Twitter and complain politically but won't go to the fucking polls. Yeah, won't yeah, won't go speak to the politicians running in their area because eventually that little politician's gonna move up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree on that point pretty well.
0: <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, we have any other thoughts before we move on into how do we un- reunify if it's even possible?
1: Uh, I'm I'm good. I'm ready to hop right into this.
0: What this- segue?
1: we're talking
0: about how do we reunify is it even possible okay so i have thoughts on this obviously but i want to i want to give you guys the opportunity to speak your thoughts first how do we reunify and specifically is it even possible so let's let's focus on the is it even possible thing like i know we're pretty um pessimistic about things and a little bit cynical Do you think it's possible for America to reunify, or do you think we're just going to remain divided up until, I don't know, a civil war or something? See,
1: I'm gonna separate this on two parts: the national level and say the local level. And kind of as we probably have noticed, the local level it's not say as divided, but it it's getting there. I think kind of as you stated, we need to focus on that and kind of like what we're doing, just if we have differences, talk them out, explain them. Sometimes for the time being, yeah, I agree to disagree, but maybe come back to it or, you know, but you can teach people in just what you do. If you want something to change, do that change. And then say if Be way. the change. Yeah. And kind of like what we've talked about this before, if you change on a local level, and other people change on a local level, we can kind of get back. We might all be completely disagreeing with each other, but at least we can respect positions and kind of, when needed, compromise to live
0: together. Yeah, kind of that bottom-up approach.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Instead of trickle-down.
0: Yeah, so what's what was... You said you were going to divide it on a national and a local level. Did you want to say anything about yeah. the national level? Uh,
1: on the national level, right now... It, it's really until we kind of do that local approach, it wouldn't be possible because just it's not necessarily the local people, because I bet you if we all just lived in the same block, we'd all get along. We, we might fist fight, might punch each other, but we'll pick each other up and <laughs> be neighbors, you know. Yeah, so essentially
0: you're saying the the reunification has to be a ground-up solution.
1: Yeah, it's not if everyone's like, oh yeah, we agree to disagree on a national level and all the politicians shake hands and kiss each other or whatever. That's not going (laughs) to work because their goal is keep us separated. The news, keep us separated. Social media, keep people separated because, kind of as we've spoken, a lot of people kind of agree on a lot more things than what we would perceive. Or if they don't necessarily agree say like with the abortion topic, we differ greatly, but we both agree say like education is a core thing if we want to address the issues that say cause abortion and personal responsibility. Yeah. Like there's And you'd be surprised no.
0: how many people disagree with you about the whole personal responsibility thing.
1: Well, <laughs>
0: I but I know, I know what you mean. Like we agree on those things.
1: Yeah. And so I'll use that to kind of segue into mine. Uh, okay. With the p- current political climate that we live in current world climate, I don't think it is possible currently for us to mend on the national level.
2: There's too much, uh,
1: profit. And political gain to be had by having two warring sections. Even if it's just culturally warring. Because it's cheap PR. It's cheap advertising. Say something offensive to this side on Twitter and the other gang's going to be right there backing you up. It's very animalistic in its tendencies. <coughs> or virtue signal. And, and when the opposing side. Yeah. Yeah. Like, look at what's happening in the Ukraine right now. These co- companies don't give a fuck. They're they want to make money, but they've looked at the numbers and go, you know what? If we kiss these people ass just a little bit, we can raise our prices, and we can just get our little bit of money out of Russia, and we'll make ten times that by taking it out of Russia. They don't give a fuck. There's too much to be gained by creating arguments creating disagreements not finding common ground because that is in my opinion the basis of unifying America is finding common ground on what we stand for again finding our principles whether that's the bill of rights or just the principle of freedom we don't agree on that not because level
2: heads can't prevail but because
1: being an asshole makes money. So essentially you're saying being a contrarian makes money. Level heads? How, how many people do we know we could have an argument with and we can talk it out? And even if we still disagree, we could still be friends and go on living our life.
2: There's a couple. How many
1: politicians do you think could have that argument and go on living life and be friends? None. None. But there is hope. I'm, I'll, I'll tell you again with the ground, the grassroots, ground up style of focusing, creating this discourse, these dialogues, and understanding you're not going to agree with everybody, but what Bind y'all together is the common ground you stand on. We're all human. We're all imperfect.
2: We all got to make money. And.
1: We are stronger together than we are apart.
0: Bunch of cliches. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> it, 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 that, that is the it's standing okay. yeah, I know what from
0: wits.
1: And that's. Uh, I'm not Marxist or. Communist, but I do take some leanings from that because it, the original manifestos were strongly for the working class American, well, people of a country, to stand in unity together, and you can look. When have we ever stood in unity one hundred percent together? The only times we come close is when tragedy happens. Yeah. Just like a family unit. If grandma dies, everyone comes and goes, Oh, boo hoo, I missed her. But where were they a week before? They were arguing with each other. They were fighting. Either tragedy will happen to unify us or we have to do the footwork to avoid the tragedy if we ever want to be unified again. Yeah, so you're saying eliminate That's the two party my... system. Well, no, more so. Stop worshiping politics. Stop worshiping politicians. Period. Mm Create your own thoughts and discuss differing thoughts. Get out of echo chambers. The same shit I've, I've been preaching the whole fucking podcast. (laughs) Read a book. I mean, I had very poignant views on certain aspects of Christianity before, and I still have some things I don't believe in, but I feel throughout this whole thing, I've had great conversations with very intelligent people, very passionate people. Never once did I feel like they were stepping on my feet. Just like me and Bailey, we, we've argued to, we were both blue in the fucking face. But you know what? We're still friends. We talked about it. We understood we have common ground. And we go on with fucking life. Like, that's the only way this shit will ever be fixed. But no one wants to do that because we want to lock ourselves in our little bubbles and be safe from the boogeyman on the other side. Mike, sorry, that was a moment. long diatribe. <laughs> I'm just so fucking jaded.
0: That's okay. All right. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and kind of give my, my two cents, I guess. So <clears throat> the left and right divide is both is and isn't a false dichotomy. And here's why. So it is a false dichotomy in the sense that there is obviously more political nuance to political opinions than this or that. So if you're taking a political quiz, you're going to find more than two answers to each question, and each one's going to have their own degree of nuance. So it's not a binary. However, it's not a false dichotomy because the division is ideological. Ideology is informed by worldview. The the philosophical presuppositions an atheist is going to bring to politics are much different than the philosophical presuppositions a Christian will bring. And political views are never without their philosophical presuppositions. Ideology and worldview will always inform your politics. Therefore, the roots of our political division traces back to ideology and worldview. The policy positions are just an outworking uh, of those foundational beliefs. So really at the root of things we aren't divided politically we're divided religiously and one other thing that i would add kind of uh to your point that you brought up earlier i think michael um is that diversity has hit its threshold we have so much diversity that we can't agree on anything again going back to the points that we talked about previously what is america what do we believe what our are our symbols? what unites us? These are all things that we can't agree on, and in that sense, obviously we are divided. so I think to kind of summarize like and boil it down, we're divided ideologically and religiously, and the policies that manifest in political parties are just a natural outworking of those things and so as far as If we can reunify, if that's even possible, um, there has to be change from within for that to be possible. We have to be able to admit our own faults and admit that some of us might be wrong, whether that's religiously, whether that's politically. We're all going to have to come to internal compromises. And some people need to be more dogmatic about what they believe other people are going to be less dogmatic about their beliefs. And it really is, it's it's not a one-size-fits-all solution for everyone. I think it is possible, but it is not the path of least resistance. The path of least resistance is to continue down the path we are as a divided country. So admittedly, I will echo both of your conclusions about this if this is going to happen, it's not going to happen anytime soon and it's not going to be easy at all. So that that's kind of my take on if it's even possible.
1: Yeah. Kind of how yeah. I would describe it for someone outside the U S it's like getting all of the EU to have one base <laughs> policy
2: Uh huh.
1: because I mean, the U S is kind of like that since we States have their own laws and regulations and the federal laws and regulations, Are kind of just a ground. This is this, or this has to be exactly this. It's yeah. We're a country of little tiny countries. Yeah, or some really some still really big countries. Look at Texas. Yeah, and uh, another thing I'd like to add is when it comes to like policy and political
2: policy, especially on the economic side. You have the right to disagree, but sometimes you just have to try it. Like, let's say for
1: four years, we want to see if doing, let's say, public health care on a mass level and getting rid of private insurances would be feasible. Let's try it for this set amount of time. Let's get the analytics, study the cost, and let's try it. And also, the same on the other side. Let's cut back some of these taxes. Let's cut off some of the fat. Let's study this for four years. Look at how it affects everybody. And then make an opinion. Because we can sit here... And run quote-unquote studies going, oh, well, if we increase the tax rate by this much or decrease it by this much or we have public health care or this or cut this part of spending, that's all theoretical. It's not in practice. Sometimes you have to be willing to let somebody else give an idea and try it. Yeah, and with that, taken into account, say, since we're a, the world is connected, what, say, like global issues have popped up that have caused maybe... The U.S. is making less money overall from, say, exports or stuff like that. Or we have to switch from, say, oil to natural, to renewable energy. This increase costs in this way, but decrease in that way. Stuff like that.
2: Yeah. Kind of check uh, America- all your
1: biases at the door and let's just be really analytical. Yeah, because uh, policy and Americans are lambasted in the seven deadly sins. We're very selfish, very prideful. Our politicians are fucking liars. We are very gluttonous and we're lazy as fuck. We don't want to sacrifice anything of any comfort for the betterment. We would rather just argue to are blue in the face. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I and think it's, it's funny. Go ahead. Uh, bringing up the seven deadly sins. Cause that's a,
2: just addition of all the things
1: wrong in America right now. And it's very, it seems to just get worse with the more modernity that comes forward. And that's coming from someone. I love my technology and having power and heat in my house. And being able to even do this podcast on the technology we have. But I also know I should be willing to make personal sacrifices if that means we will have a better future. If that means driving a little less, eating less meat, uh, planting a fucking tree. I know I should be willing to make sacrifices to make sure everybody else is covered as well. And I think that's missing in a lot of on both sides of the coin politically. No one is truly willing to sacrifice for what they believe in. So they're just armchair warriors.
0: Yeah. So I think this kind of segues nicely into the how is it possible? How can we reunify question? Um, And I kind of already said this earlier, but I'll. I'll kind of explain my points. There's a few things that I think have to be done. First of all, you need to look in the mirror. What do you believe and why? What assumptions are you making? Also, where do you need to improve? How much about what you're claiming in your adversaries is actually true about yourself? Start with yourself first. Second, have conversations with people. Do what we're doing in this podcast. Try to understand people that think differently than you. Ask questions. Don't focus so heavily on their political beliefs. Look deeper to what informs those political beliefs. Peel away the surface layers of policies and get to the ideology and worldviews that inform those views. That's why most of this show we've discussed religion, because it's far more foundational than politics. Politics is just the tip of the iceberg. How does this person's views hold up to your own? Where are their discrepancies and where and why do they exist? Once we begin to break things down, we can begin to understand one another better. And we'll see that there, that we're much more interesting and nuanced than once perceived. And thirdly, we have to be willing to change. Progress can't be made without some degree of discomfort and change. And that's all I have. On that part. Yeah. What do you guys I think? I mean, I
1: I agree with I want to say all of it, yeah. I mean, I just got off the point of we need to be willing to sacrifice and change. Yeah. And so yeah. And again, this is we're all three extremely different here. We all are three politically extremely different. We have some similarities. But we're also extremely nuanced.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I would like to interject here and, and just add something that like in the past I've said like, man, it's cool that we can do this podcast. But as time has gone on and as we've done this for a year and a half, and especially because I think we can have fairly civil conversations about religion because it's it's less touchy. I feel like we can have those conversations without it being as you know, it's not as difficult to have those conversations. But we just talked for like eight episodes about politics, and that's a, lot, a very of that issue. we
1: extremely disagree on.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and we like, haven't
1: killed each other.
0: I know that's that's what I'm getting at. Is basically like to have done this show for a year and a half, and to to talk about all the things that we've talked about. I think it's really beautiful because we we really like fundamentally on our foundational beliefs, like we don't agree on a lot of things. But we've found a lot of common ground and we've managed to have nuanced civil conversations about these things Well, that like I've no, none of us have hung up the call. None of us have like stormed out of the room while we're recording an episode like we've had. We've had nothing but good conversations on this show, and that's a beautiful thing, and I think more people should do yeah. that.
1: And also, guys, it's OK if things get a little heated, if you need, need to take a moment to cool down, that's fine. If you have a conversation, that's naturally going to happen because you're kind of confronting, especially when someone that differs your exact possibly ideological opposition. And that's okay. One
0: other, one other thing I would add is that when you're having these conversations, try your best to remove yourself from the situation and don't Mm -hmm. take things personally. If people say things that are against what you believe, like I've, I've probably offended you guys talking about some of the political things, you know, but you guys don't take it personally because you know I'm not attacking you. Like there there's uh, there's other things that I oppose that aren't specifically you personally. And so we have to take thing we have to not be taking things personally when we have these conversations. Otherwise, we're not going to get anywhere because we're just going to be offended all the time.
1: Yeah, it, it's not fuck you you piece of shit. It's I disagree with you and here's why.
0: And separate the the idea from the person. You know, like I mean it's it's different, I guess, if you're talking about specific politicians, but like if you're talking about like the ideologies that inform policy, that's different than the person who subscribes to that ideology that you're talking to. Yeah. So be able to have that distinction and and not attack people. And I I'm actually gonna talk about this here in a minute. Um yeah. some some tips for speaking with people you disagree with, but
1: and what also, are what are your guys'
0: thoughts on like how we can reunify? I know I've probably covered most yeah. of it, but what are the things well, you guys might add?
1: One last thing I want to add, we're also just not walking political narratives. We're people. Right. Like I think that's the biggest thing is, in the grand scheme of things, we take what we believe in seriously, but as, as humans, we don't take ourselves super seriously when it comes to a lot of things. Right. We're not just walking political narratives. I'm not holding a fucking commie flag every day going, (laughs) yeah, let's get together, let's burn this shit down, fuck the government. And you're not walking over there with a fucking Alabama flag. (laughs) Alabama fucking (laughs) elephant flag going, Republican Party or die. (laughs) Republican Party or die. (laughs) Praise the Lord and kill the flag." I'm sure that'll help.
0: (laughs) I'm sure that'll help
1: you. I mean, you're not doing that. that. No, I'm not doing that. And you're also willing... Just like me, I think if we saw someone politically on the opposite side of the spectrum that we were behind more than our current party, we'd have no problem going like, yeah, I think this guy would be the best for office. And we're willing to look outside of our little boundaries. Because I didn't vote last election because I didn't believe in any of them. And... We also know that the system is flawed. N- none of us are trying to go, this shit's perfect. But we appreciate the things that are good about it. And we do know that we are less than lucky to be where we're at. Because we could be in fucking Ukraine right now, or the Middle East getting fucking bombed. Yeah. <clears throat> or we could be in China under a dictator, forced to worship him. Getting sense yes. of re-education camps. Yeah, some some
0: Quote, unquote, re People can't see David's air quotes, so I had to put them yeah. in there for you.
1: Yeah, but, because, yeah, there's a lot of things about our, our country that's fucked up. But it could be a lot fucking worse. Yeah. Like, we're extremely lucky to be born in the time we are and to have all this shit. And we're not overlooking that because of I don't think the justice system is all it's cracked up to be or I don't trust politicians. Those can be true, but I can also appreciate, you know, I'm in a first old country and I want to try to make this country the best it can be. So I, I think that's one thing that kind of unifies us as a group is we accept the flaws. We may disagree on what the flaws are, but we also have we can look in similar ways and appreciate what we have. We're not taking it for granted.
0: No. Yeah. yeah. Any other, any other thoughts on what we can do to reunify before we move on?
1: Uh, look at people as people,
0: not as, I, I know you said that, but I think at the core, just
1: look at them as another living, breathing, thinking human being with feelings
0: You know, I I would also add that if you're a Christian, the other person you're talking to is the image of God. Just remember that when you're talking to them. Because this is not just some random person. This might be a person you're spending eternity with, or maybe that you won't be spending eternity with. And that's important to keep in mind.
1: Yeah, and don't cast judgment on someone just because of their political beliefs. Because it's easy if I went, like when we had the abortion discussion barely could have stopped me at pro choice and not heard me out and not figure out where we have common ground or he could do what he did. Let me talk. I could have edited you
0: out of the conversation.
1: Yeah. We bring up different points, but I didn't do that. We've, we've tried to figure out how to fix this problem and understand each other, at least on a, Baseline level. Right. Because you don't have to agree with everything I say. I don't have to agree with everything you say. But we're hearing each other out because you learn more from differing views than you do from the same three fucking views you believe in and make your whole personality up with.
0: Right. All right, so I want to kind of transition into just some practical tips for speaking with people you disagree with because this is, I mean, we've repeated this like a million times, but the whole mantra of this podcast is to help model for people how to have these conversations so that they will have it because we really believe in that. Like, we really believe that there is no way of moving forward if you, the listener, don't do what we're doing right here. Like, at the end of the day, we're just three random people. What matters is if you go out and you have these conversations. So with that light in mind, I wanted to give a couple practical tips for you when it comes to having those conversations. Cause maybe you live in an insular world where you live in an echo chamber and everything's nice and dandy and comfortable. And look, I'll admit, maybe that sounds nice. You just don't have anyone that disagrees with you. But there are people out there that do disagree with you, and you need to have conversations with them. And so these are a couple tips that I have put together that I have learned through doing this podcast, and you guys are welcome to add some as well. But number one, and this is addressed mainly to Twitter, but there's a lot of people that do this, Um, stop name-calling like just don't name call people like have a conversation with the person that you're talking to number two talk to them talk to them not through them make sure that the conversation you're having is personal and not too abstract you know Um, admittedly there have been times in these politics discussions where I have been guilty of not doing that like I've talked through you guys talking to the idea of the issue that we're talking about and addressing that Which is fine because we're doing this on a podcast and there might be people that hold those views. But in general, like when you're talking to someone in private, you want to talk directly to them specifically and address what they're saying specifically.
1: Yeah. And real quick, I do think that is a good thing to bring up. But also, we kind of all three here understand the nuance of what we're doing. Right. And we've had these conversations in private. And so it's different for me or you to be talking through to the idea mm-hmm. that we're opposed to versus in private. Cause then you just look like an ass if it's one-on-one and no one else is there.
0: Yeah. Okay. So number three I have on here is listen twice as much as you speak. You got two ears, one mouth. It's, it's a sign from God that you should listen more than you speak.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me and you are guilty of that because David doesn't ever say shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I tr-
1: try to be, whatever I speak, even in life, I try to be more just kind of impactful versus just kind of uh,
0: yeah. filling up space. Say more with less words. Yeah. And also, I so, mean,
1: like at work, I'll talk less a to a person.
0: That's a dig at us, isn't it? Because we talk so much, you're just like, well, I could say what you're saying, but in five words.
1: No, no. <laughs> you all just have different in front of our eyes. Different kind of methodology. Like they right. you go super in detail, Michael. You're really kind of emotionally impactful. But for <laughs> me, I've y'all know me. I like to be short, sweet, concise.
0: Yeah. Okay, so number four I would say is ask for clarification. This is just a very common sense kind of thing. Um there have been times where for the sake of time and in an episode, we haven't been able to ask for clarification because we got a lot of things to move through. But in a general lax scenario, if David says something really, really vague and doesn't make sense, like I should ask him, Hey David, what do you mean by that? When you say this word, what do you mean? You know, and, and just make sure you're understanding what the other person is saying so that you're responding to what they're actually believing in instead of something that you misinterpret through the filters of your yeah. brain
1: or like a uh, say what one thing we tend to do a lot is like put up a scenario or something because that scenario can like help hypothetical kind of, yeah stuff like yeah. that it's like oh it helps explain it more because it's kind of being yeah put on more practical sense
0: or to for to kind of extend this into number five, repeat what they say back to them to make sure you understand what they mean. So if, if one of us has gone and we've done this in a number of episodes, but if one of us kind of goes on a long diatribe, you know, another one of us will say, OK, so what you mean is this. And you will kind of like recap it in a short version and the other person can say yes or no or yes, but or whatever, you know, just to kind of clarify and make sure you're understanding the other person. Uh, Number six, steel man your opponent instead of straw manning them. Uh, For some people that may be too philosophical lingo, but straw manning is essentially, you know, giving the worst form, painting someone's argument in the worst light possible to make fun of it. Steel manning someone's argument is painting someone's argument in the best light possible. So essentially assume the best in your the person you're talking to assume that their argument is is painted in the best possible light and that's just general being charitable to who you're speaking to to make sure that you like you know you're not because they're especially with politics you can easily straw man people there's a lot of um, you know, political debates, for example, where it's just straw man after straw man after straw man. What you need to do is try and, you know, give your opponent the benefit of the doubt and assume that, you know, they know what they're talking about and and present it in the best possible light. That way, you know, it's charitable and the conversation will be much more civil.
1: Yeah, and I think we did a good job with that when we are speaking about theological arguments that we don't necessarily agree with, but mm-hmm. doing our best to understand that people who do believe them have the best intentions. Right. They're yeah. not saying this because they want the fucking worst. And same politically. I believe a lot of people, and I'm talking common people, people like us, working class, when we believe something, we believe something in an idealistic world right which is why i'll say things like in a perfect world this or this part the way like a uh, how things are perceived it's giving them the benefit of the doubt understanding where they're coming from and then discussing how that could be different versus how it's really coming off right because um, that'll give you more a uh, leeway in understanding of a perspective than just going,
2: oh, you're
1: Baptist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, oh, you're Catholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get you anywhere.
0: Yeah. Um, number seven, I think this is a fairly non-controversial one, but it, it has definitely helped us. Don't be too serious. I know a lot of the things that we've covered in the show are extremely serious and have very, very important implications. And that's why I like doing it, because it's fun and existential. But also, we're not super serious. Like, we're serious about what we believe. But at the same time, we're not so serious that we can't have fun and make jokes and talk about. uh, That's the other thing. Number eight is talk about things you agree on also. You know, make sure to, to kind of foster that relationship with the other person. Don't only talk to them about things you disagree on, because that's just going to be divisive. Like if you only talk about things that you don't agree on and like you don't try and make friends with the other person and see them as a human being. And, you know, so those two are kind of related. Yeah. Just don't Finding be too serious. and
1: bring, yeah. builds that kind of respect and trust. And then you can definitely work on not being too serious you can joke about your side just as well your point of view just as much as the other person's I mean we, we've done that a million one times Oh, yeah.
0: exactly that's why we call David the filthy atheist
1: yeah yeah and I mean
0: since day one
1: yeah the, the way Even I look people at it find out I'm like probably a very moderate atheist. yeah where Mike was uh, extreme ima- imagine oh god extreme agnosticism I know <laughs> but Imagine, say, you're a Clemson fan and the other guy's a Carolina fan. What do you guys have in common? You both like whatever sport you're against each other in. That's a good basis to build, a build off of. You can right. disagree here, but you have the same basis. Just like uh, in, for Bailey in discussions on theology and Christianity, the common ground is Christianity. That's not the disagreement here. And it's through that he has learned and grown in his spiritual journey. Just like with me, the common ground is the belief in something greater than myself. Some higher power, God, what may have you. That's where, say, me and Bailey have common ground and can grow spiritually and learn from each other. So...
0: David, yeah, there's just no common ground. I'm not really sure why he's even on this podcast, no, I mean, honestly. Like, uh, he's he, just kind of...
1: He's just like not being a yeah, dick. We, we can agree, like, don't be a dick to people. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Even also, the most minute uh,
1: agreements can build a greater kind of respect for each other. Right. Yeah, and that's like uh when we went to the Orthodox Church and con- converse afterwards. The common ground was David still, even though he doesn't believe there is anything, he hasn't closed that door completely. He still leaves room Mm -hmm. for it to show itself. And some people might say that's not really that a lot in common, but it's where most people start with anything. Yeah, And even regardless, I respect their viewpoint and their beliefs, which I know. I know. I'm not an anti-theist.
0: You're not edgy enough. Uh, yeah, people yeah. really. There, we have him. had comments on videos that think David is not atheist enough. Yeah,
1: he's an agnostic atheist. Yeah, That's, he's not. That is the Where term. He doesn't push back, back enough. He's most not atheist enough, guys. people think enough, atheist guys. as like anti deist, and yes. it's like no, no, yeah. they're completely different viewpoint. Yeah, whereas <laughs> most people see Christian and would think Bailey would lambast both of us upside the head with Jesus every five fucking seconds. I just do But it in that's moderation. not how it is. Well, we discuss <laughs> it. You don't. Yeah. You don't hit us over the head with it. We discuss it. We right. see the implications in the history, and that's another thing we all three have in common. We enjoy learning history. It might be about different things, but that's something we all three enjoy. That's one of my favorite things: is history and philosophy. So yeah. Don't, and again, I got to. Pointing on, don't take yourself too fucking serious, kid. Yeah. You're not a politician. <laughs> You're not a scientist.
0: Maybe you are. You don't know.
1: You, m- more than likely, you either have a high school diploma <laughs> or maybe a college degree. All right. You're not going to be a savior. You're here just like the rest of us. So don't take yourself too fucking serious, kid.
0: So... Are there any other points that you guys might want to bring up? Because those are those are all the the ones that I have as far as tips uh, for conversating with people with the you with with that conversing with people you disagree with. I can't speak. Um, Is there any other points that you guys wanted to add that I haven't covered in that?
1: Uh, One thing that may seem kind of, you know, anti this is. No. When to back away from a conversation. Because there's militant people on every side, you're you're not gonna have a good time conversing with them, and it's gonna ruin your viewpoint of the other side. Like with Bailey here, he's not like I just said beating us upside the head with Bible verses twenty four seven, and it's through that where we have gained an appreciation for his beliefs and his worldview. Just like David's not a militant anti-theistic atheist beating us upside the head with we all go in a void. Nothing means anything. There is no God. And if any of us were that way, we probably wouldn't have finished this fucking podcast. We would have shut the shit down. Episode one. Yeah. It would have never happened in the first place. Yeah. So no, 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 that is okay to sometimes just tell someone no offense, but, Either I feel like I'm getting walked over and not being heard or I don't think this conversation is good for the either of us. I'm going to back away. I wish you the best. We'll leave it at that. Because sometimes that's what you have to do.
0: Yeah, yeah I think it's a good point to Same add on well. the opposite. The-
1: if you kind of know it's like you're taking over, either kind of back away. Let's the other person's voice, or if it's not working,
0: yeah, don't know. dominate the conversation. Yeah,
1: and if it's like that, it's like, hey, I feel like I'm taking too much control of this conversation. Do you want to still continue, or do you just want to stop for a time uh, and uh, you know apologize and know your faults, right? Yeah, because well, there, there's some times where Bailey's got impassionate, I've gotten passionate in personal conversations. And it's best just to back away for a moment and to reevaluate. But again, there hasn't been a time where it's like, yeah, we should just not talk ever again. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, And yeah, like thankfully. take Michael, sometimes we got really back in. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm also.
0: All right, Michael, we're listen. talking about this thing. I know you, you're like out here on Pluto right now, but you know, we got to bring you back to, yeah. you know, simulation theory.
1: But that, that comes, <laughs> that comes back to knowing your faults. And knowing where you fall short as a person and following I think you did a great job giving a list of all these, Bailey. They're very poignant and to the point and simple to follow. Yeah. And they're okay. a great basis to build conversation off of. And and so, yeah. Only other thing is, as we say before, check your bias at the door. Know yeah. where you kinda of as you said, where you stand and know how that will affect how you speak, your beliefs, no. your worldview and in conversation understand that because of your inherent bias, the conversation will follow, could steer one way more than the other.
0: Yeah. It could be tempted by your bias.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's best yeah. to kind of check that. And if you can keep it in check, if not, you need to understand the effect of it. Right. Yeah. That's like uh, my agnosticism is different than, someone else's agnosticism. I have different biases because I was raised in the South around a mid, ah, small midsize city is our core city that the county is based off of. Yeah. But general, the rural South. And so my biases will lean naturally more in one way than an agnostic who lives in LA. Mm -hmm. or some spiritual hippy dippy agnostic that lives in Colorado. Yeah. And I'm willing to admit that and do my best to mitigate it or understand where someone else is coming from.
0: Gotcha. All right. Well, we have covered a lot in this episode. I think it's time to go ahead and move on into our conclusions and kind of wrap this one up. And then we will, um, you know, be done with this one. So, I'm going to go ahead and I guess I'll go ahead and give my conclusions first then I'll hand it over to you guys Um, so to reunify we need to come to some agreement on things this may sound obvious but we are in the middle of a cultural and ideological war one and and one will have to win eventually we need to come to an agreement on what America being an American really means what is our identity what are our symbols what do we stand for? As it is currently, there is no consensus between opposing parties on the answers to these questions. All that remains in the vacuum is ideology and vanity. We foster narcissism and promulgate God complexes as we vilify those around us. All we do is yell past one another. Meanwhile, our foreign enemies rub their evil hands together and prepare to reap the harvest of an, American, of an America that is more divided than it is united. I may be shouting to the void or preaching to the choir, but this is why I say that people need to have these conversations. We need to have more people creating their own Facing the Gates-esque podcasts and try talking to one another. Not only is this beneficial on a purely academic and educational level, it breaks down the barriers. It destroys divisions. And these topics that we have covered on this podcast carry an existential, une- carry existential weight and have eternal consequences. That is why I'm so passionate about this project. And that's why I believe more people should do this.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think you summed it all up really good right there because we're all, we have done a good job of mending the gap in us because we look at it outside of just politics. Outside of our personal religion, we show each other that we care and we want to learn and listen amongst the three of us, and we don't have to agree. But we're still showing the care and unity that could bridge this gap. And we're also willing to look inside and go, I was wrong there. I need to grow as a person. But yeah, I think he summed it really beautifully there. Thank
0: you. That's so what happens when I have a little time to prep for these episodes? I get to make like artful statements that I definitely wouldn't have said otherwise. That's See, that's me throwing that out there. Like I, I do admittedly, like when this show started, I, I started out with like taking notes. Like we would do an outline and then I would take a few notes on them. And then it kind of evolved into basically a script and there have been definitely episodes where it's like noticeable that I'm just reading off my script but there's been other episodes where I've I've you know kind of blended it a little bit better but uh we'll talk yeah. about that later in in the next two episodes probably but yeah
1: yeah and i mean i there's
0: there's pros and cons to both ways of doing it
1: yeah and sometimes we bring up points that we just kind of have to wing or there's there's a lot of nuance with it Right. So, and some of the best things any of us have said have been totally off kilter, off script. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of wing it. But yeah, I think that was really beautifully put. And hopefully, more people will get together and converse. You don't have to have a podcast, but if yeah. you do, you know, tag us. Let us know. We I don't yeah. have anything else to do. <laughs> anything you want to say, David? I mean, as you said, Bailey pretty much summed it up and only other thing I could think of is especially with America, people are more alike than we give credit for. Yeah, we don't have to agree to unify, but we have to listen and talk and figure this shit out together. Yeah. Yeah, and that will bring respect, which can foster unity. Yeah, this that is the beauty of America is we are free to have our own fucking opinions.
0: This topic uh, in general is one that I've thought about a lot. Like, obviously, we're extremely divided. And how do we not be divided? You know, because it is kind of concerning for the long term in the future. Like America is like the superpower in the world. And if America is divided and is manipulated by foreign enemies, like that's not going to be good, not only for us, but for the entire world. And so I've really thought about this a lot and like been like, how exactly can we reunify? Is it even possible? And my most modest conclusion to if and how it's possible is by doing this, by doing what we're doing. If more people did this and had these kinds of conversations and saw that their so-called adversaries really weren't that evil that they just see things differently and maybe they see things horribly wrong and maybe, you know, there are certain virtues and beliefs that are better than others, but you're not going to move the needle if you don't have these conversations. And so that's why I want people to have these conversations, not just because it's useful on a personal level, but because it's useful in a grand scheme of things, you know, for the overall national conversation for the at the national level and by virtue, at an international level, really, I mean, like, this is a very simple thing that people can do that I think will really go a long way in sowing unity in America.
1: Yeah, and I guess, uh add on to that, A, don't trust what Twitter says. B, yeah, don't, just necessar- get Twitter. don't necessarily trust what any news corporation will say. Now, if you see something like, huh, I wonder what, what people actually think about this. If you know someone that leans for whatever to talk about, ask them about it. If you have that relationship, because you might find like most people think it's a crock of shit or, oh, okay, this is why. Mm-hmm. And it's not, as say, drastic as what people are making out to be. Yeah. But also remember yeah. news is, Made
0: the yeah. Stay away from mainstream media; it's all garbage. Just don't don't buy into that. We we're gonna. (laughs) That's one thing we can agree on.
1: Do your research. Find whatever it's based off. Find the papers, analytics, whatever, and yeah, Yeah, come to your own conclusion. The most liberal company will also own one of the most conservative news sites. You know why? Because they make fucking money. They don't give a fuck.
0: Yeah, a lot of the politicians that uh, say they stand for one thing, as I learned in a video this morning, invest in the things that they're opposed to on the stock market and make lots of money off of it. So that's rampant. Just keep that in mind.
1: uh, I'll I'll end this here with a
2: kind of metaphor of sorts. It's like we're all soldiers who are drafted
1: and we're fighting against each other when in reality, we're not far from different. We're, we believe what we're fighting for is right. The um, the other side believes what they're fighting for is right. And we have more ground in the middle than we do related to the people that want us to fight for them. Humanize people you disagree with. I think what Bailey said is a really good way to put it is you're talking to the mirror image of God. That's a person with a life, with family, with opinions, with thoughts. That's not just a name on a screen. And I think that's kind of why what we do is so great is because we're able to look at each other at first in person and now virtually and have these conversations and it really brings back the point of we're all humans and it's easy to dehumanize a twitter name or a reddit name it's a lot harder to dehumanize someone you know and you're talking to face to face or virtually
0: yeah all right. Well, I think that's a good way to end it. Do we have any other final thoughts before we wrap this one up? No, that's a bunch of rattling of heads that people can't hear. They were shaking yeah. their heads, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Yeah, I don't have anything else to say.
0: All right, cool. Well, this episode maybe it'll be under 2 hours. It's been close, you know. It's it's been probably the shortest episode we've recorded in a while. But I think it was very good. We we had a lot of productive conversation. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, ladies and gentlemen, please share it around. Um, Hopefully you will listen to this show and other episodes. I know know we've referenced a lot of episodes in this one, Um, but anyway, that about wraps it up for this one. Give us a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, at facing the gates. Um, And if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can always email us at facing the at gmail.com. In the next episode, we're going to be doing a Q and a, um, these questions are actually from the pastors. Some of them, uh, are from the pastors that we've interviewed. So we gave them questions in our interview and some of them gave us their questions for this episode. Um, we also have some listener questions as well as just questions that we came up for ourselves to ask. Uh, So that's going to be a good one. And then the following episode is going to be kind of a retrospective on the entire podcast, kind of looking back on what we have learned and then looking forward on where we're going. So I think that's about it, though. Thank you guys so much for listening and or watching, depending on what platform you're consuming this podcast through. Um, I think it's been real.
1: I think it's been fun.
0: I think it's been real fun. And uh, we'll have to see you in the next one.
1: Better check it out. I All appreciate right. it while it's here.
0: Yeah. Only two more weeks. Better enjoy Only two it. more. Is yeah. it. All right. Bye. bye. See you.